0: Hello, fabulous friends, and welcome to the ZBEX FabCast. Cosplay to gaming and everything else fabulous. Sponsored by Addictive Behaviors in Eugene, Oregon, where you can get thousands of Magic the Gathering card singles at ccgobsession.com. Welcome to the ZBEX FabCast. I have a fabulous guest with me today, someone very special, a L3 judge, Adina. Hello, everybody. And I first want to talk about how we met. Uh, So I remember just being super fangirl at a magic event in Portland, Oregon, seeing you and thinking, oh my gosh, there's another girl here, not only in the room, but as a judge. And I remember, yeah, I remember because I saw you, and I was like, oh, there's this girl,
1: and she's, like, doing really well in the tournament, and you, I think you were undefeated after, like, four or five rounds, I'm not, uh, or you were, like, X1, I know you were doing really well in the tournament, and I was so excited for you, and I came over and started talking to you, or you came over and started talking to me, I don't remember, but I feel like it was right out in the hallway where that, like, round, like, I remember the shape, the
0: convention center. Yeah,
1: the pendulum I'm, thing. Definitely. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of cities by the convention center because that's all I've seen is the convention center and the hotel across the street and maybe a restaurant down the street a little bit. But that's about it for uh, my my world travels here as a judge.
0: Well, and that's exactly how i've seen you have after that meeting uh once i became a judge we worked together in houston and i remember we got to ride together on the the tram together in the morning to first find the event uh, and i've always enjoyed getting to see you whenever i'm at event no matter what city it's in
1: yeah definitely um i i always seem to see you at some random place around the country
0: <laughs> now can you please tell all the listeners some of the podcast history that you yourself have? Because they might know you.
1: Sure. So many, many years ago, there was a cast called Monday Night Magic, and I um, had called in on their, I think it was 250th anniversary show that they did. hey Yeah, they did a live cast. And I called in and I talked to them and they thought that I was amusing or funny or something and uh, invited me to come back whenever I wanted. Um, so the next week I was back and I was on that cast for a few months. During that time, I got contacted on Twitter um, by a judge, um, an L2 judge from Canada who was putting together a podcast called Hoard of Notions. It was not a, a judge-based podcast. He just happened to be a judge. Um and so I I was on that podcast for um, almost 100 episodes we got. I think wow. we did, like, 90-some episodes.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, you've definitely been out there on the airwaves before.
1: I have, yeah. And then there was another um, – there's, like, one episode of a Sarah Angel something or other that they called it, and it was, like, an all-girl cast, like it was all women. And I remember doing that one, and I was also a guest on Judge Cast North – um with Charlotte at some point um for like one episode when a set released or something
0: awesome well thank you so much for that fab introduction now as a level three judge uh you've already mentioned that you get to travel around for different events but you do other stuff too what sort of leadership projects do you do most of the leadership
1: projects that I am involved with, um, just because of who I am and how I am, they all deal with the education and mentoring of other judges. Um, one of the projects, uh, actually, two of the projects that I've uh, been involved with are um, the testing, you know, creating questions for the test, um, coming up with ideas and creating the questions. We have um, an L3 test that the L3s have to, every single time a new set comes out. We are tested not just on the new rules and the new cards that come out, but also on any changes to the documents that kind of tell you what you're allowed to do at a tournament. Um, Because obviously there's a difference between playing magic in your basement with one or two other people and playing magic in a huge room with a thousand other people. You can't just play until you're done because there might be, you know, 500 other people waiting for your match because you happen to have one of those, you know, long, dragged out, everybody's gaining life, nobody's winning kind of matches. Exactly. That and, happens. Right? And then and then shuffle your library, you know, shuffle your graveyard <laughs> back into your library and start all over, and then nobody gets decked because, you know, they're just going to keep going and everybody's at 5,000 life. So, um, so obviously things like that, you know, there have to be things like a time limit. There have to be things like, oh, well, you know, if you mess something up, how do you fix it and what do you do to get back to playing? And, um, you know, just because you know you did something wrong a couple turns ago it doesn't necessarily mean it's fixable since game decisions have been made and various different things have happened. Um, so, you know, we have a series of, of things that we do. Um, we have tournament uh, documents. So there's the infraction procedure guide, which we call the IPG. Mm-hmm. We love it. We love we love acronyms in judging. <laughs> we have the Comprehensive Rules, which is that huge document with all the rules of magic, and all the cards that interact. And every time a new set is released, they add a few more rules. Yeah, Sometimes they'll print a card. card. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, every card kind of, you know, whatever's written on the card does something that is not normal. That is, you know, maybe not against the rules, but it's something in addition to the rules. Um, but some mechanics, for example, bestow, when they printed bestow, um, bestow would not have worked based on how an aura works. For example, if the target is destroyed, then the aura goes to the graveyard. We we say it fizzles. But that's not how they wanted bestow to work. So they wrote a rule and said, oh, well, if it's a bestow spell, then it just turns into you know a creature spell, resolves as a creature if the target's gone um that you know that's not normal for an aura so they had to create a new rule and so only cards with bestow resolve that way and you know other mechanics that they've created they have to create rules so that the so that the cards will work the way that they intended
0: awesome and since we are talking about the judging program how would somebody become a judge so to become a judge my best recommendation
1: is go to your local store and talk to whoever is the judge or the tournament organizer, whoever is running the tournaments there, and let them know that you're interested, and have them put you on staff for one of their events, like a Friday Night Magic or something, and just just do it. Just um, walk around, and when people have questions about, hey, is this a trigger? Does this go on the stack? How does this work? Um, Does this card apply to this card? You know, see how you feel about answering the questions, and if you feel like this is something you like doing, um, then you will want to get in touch with. If you know, depending on who is running the tournament and what level judge they are, they might be able to certify you. They might be able to mentor you. Um, the cool thing about about judge levels is that anybody can be a mentor, and anybody can mentor. Um, although there is a structure within the program of, you know, level one is typically your home store judge, somebody that's been tested and used to judging at regular REL. Yeah, like
0: level me.
1: Two, yeah and level two judges, the test involves a lot more uh, competitive REL. So the comp REL, the IPG, the MTR, um, things like that, that you have to know. And a level three is the quote-unquote professional judge. Um, professional R.E.L. is pretty much the same as comp R.E.L., except that spectators aren't allowed to interrupt and stop matches.
0: Hey, um, girl, that's of, you. So fabulous and professional. It, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah,
1: so that's, um, you know, they would judge, like, the pro tours or they would be the team leaders or um, the head judge at a Grand Prix. So those, those sorts of people that have been tested for leadership abilities, that have been tested extensively on the rules, um, might be a level three. So depending on what your level is, that says whether or not you can administer a test to mm. certify another judge. Yep. However, any judge of any level can be a mentor. The person who trained me was and still is
0: uncertified. Awesome. Well, and I'm going to leave some links in the comments. There's also a website that people can go to. I think you know that, that uh, is it judges.apps or? Uh, apps.magicjudges.org. There we go. So apps.magicjudges.org. And I'll leave some more information in the comments of resources for you if you don't have an LGS that you can go to, a regional coordinator, and how to find that. Um, one other thing while we're on the becoming a judge and your leadership programs, I know that you had a very early hand um, in a special program, can you tell us about the Judge Buddy program a little bit? Sure. Uh, so
1: I was one of the founding members of the Judge Buddy program. It was actually Cassidy from Colorado was kind of in charge. That was that was his brainchild, and he came up with the whole idea and said, "Hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had this program so that brand new judges when they're at their very first event." We can pair them up with a buddy so that they have someone that's kind of a go-to person because a lot of times, you know, we've worked with each other a lot. The people that you see at GPs as judges do a lot of GPs as judges. That's just kind of the nature of the job that if we do it and we like doing it, then we signed up for more Grand Prixs and we work, you know, lots of Grand Prixs all over the country. And so what happens is it's kind of – almost clicky that we all know each other and we all show up and say, hey, how's it going? And we're excited to see each other because we haven't seen each other in a few weeks. Right. And yeah, so so it's kind of like this, this group that you want to break into, you know, and you feel like, oh, well, I don't know any of these people. And, you know, not everyone is the social butterfly that can just walk up to a group of people and introduce yourself and start talking. Um, a lot of people if that would feel very socially awkward that you would just walk up to people that you've never met, even if you are working the same job at the same tournament. So um, it's a little intimidating at first, and it would be nice if there was somebody that was kind of your go-to person, your person that you knew. They contacted you by email a few weeks ahead of the tournament or maybe a week ahead, said, hey, do you have any questions? Um we used to send out an um, email that said, hey, here's what you should bring. Make sure that if you're judging, you have an extra shirt because you're not supposed to wear your judge shirt when you get off the floor. And make sure that you have a red pen so that you can write penalties on the back of uh, of uh, the match slips." And for you those know, of
0: you out there, a judge is never found without their red pen. I sure hope not. <laughs>
1: Hopefully not. Unless some other judge, you know, forgot theirs and borrowed <laughs> it, and then you don't have your red pen anymore because yeah. you gave someone else. Well, and yeah, I'm I, I only have four or five red pens in my shirt, so that I could, you know, when somebody borrowed my red pen, I was like, "Oh, just keep it. It's fine." Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> well, a prepared judge has extra red pens to give away. But speaking from experience, my first event, I believe I got an email from you that very email saying exactly what to bring, which was so handy, and. It was so nice coming into something where I was new of, not at my local game store running stuff, to have a buddy, it happened to be Andrew from the Pacific Northwest, and just exactly like you said, when you show up in the morning, even though I wasn't working with him, he was like, hey, this is Zane. she's my judge buddy, she's new, and it just makes you feel so much more comfortable.
1: Right, yeah, it's just to kind of make you feel included and get you socially in You know, just have somebody that that you're like, okay, if I have any questions, I can ask them because everybody else seems to know what they're doing. You know, it's not their first event, they've been judging for a while, and you show up and you're just like, oh, wow, if I ask them this simple little question about how to do something, they're gonna think that I'm not qualified and they're not gonna hire me again. You know, it's kind of like your first day at work and you've been hired to do something and you you get there and you're like, oh, if I don't know and I ask them a question, then they're going to think I'm incompetent and that they made a mistake hiring me. Um, And we don't want anybody to feel that way because, you know, for all of us, it was our first event once. My first event uh, as as a judge was – first grand prix las vegas with almost players in players so you know that's (laughs) that's the first event that i happened to judge (laughs) Um, i certified for for l2 a few days before the event when my regional coordinator traveling across the country and happened to stay at my house um and certified me on a tuesday and i i emailed the judge i had actually applied for the event and been turned down and so i was going to go as a player and i i emailed Sean Catanese he was the judge manager at the time and said hey so I know I'm not on staff but I just qualified for level two and it was almost like he emailed he interrupted my email with the response that said as soon as we get to 3,500 players you'll be on staff and that'll probably be tomorrow and sure enough (laughs) the next day I got an email saying I had
0: been added to the staff but this judge buddy program wasn't uh, in effect by the time when you were starting correct
1: not back then, no. It was it was probably a couple years after that um, that uh, that Cassidy came up with the idea, and he had approached me and a few other judges um, and mentioned it, and, and I thought that it was a fantastic idea. And so I became so involved amazing. with the project. Um, and then through the years, you know, we picked up some more members and other people started running it, um, you know, as far as who was in charge of each event um, so that it wasn't, you know, it, if, if you weren't at an event, there was somebody else on the program that could run it, and it was kind of nice. – it kind of became um, – the procedures kind of became set, and we had like a stock emails that we used so that we could send out the email to everybody on staff saying, hey, if you want to mentor somebody or if you'd like to be mentored – um, go ahead and do this. And, and a lot of times we would just look at the staff list and look at the, the people who were on the staff list and see if there were any names we didn't recognize and if it did look them up and see if it was their first event and then contact them personally and invite oh, them cool. to part of the program, because sometimes, you know, when you see that stock email, it's like, oh, if anybody, you know, if you're new, give us an email, that might make some people nervous,
0: because well, it's get like, I nervous, this. I'm going to reply all, geez, right,
1: you're <laughs> like, oh, everybody's going to think I'm a new judge, and then I don't know what I'm doing, and, and yeah, and that's the other thing, is, you know, if, if you do reply all by accident, <laughs> you're like, oh, great. So, so yeah, so we did try to, try to contact people personally if they didn't, ap- you know, if they appeared to be new. And then the other thing was if you were in a new country, say you had tons of judging experience, but maybe your English wasn't um, quite as good as you thought it was, you know, and you arrive in this country for the first time, or if you're, you know, from here and you're judging in a foreign country, um, to arrive there and, you know, it was a great thing to have somebody a to kind of stick with you and help you as far as differences in culture, differences in language, um, and also even a little bit, you know, just just differences in what's expected from you from the tournament organizers. Um, because in other countries, it, it may be a little bit different, just because the work ethic is different or the culture is different.
0: That's so wonderful. The feel of community that is initiated from a player uh, judges, you know, first. Ex- experience um, at a grand prix level magic fests now so that's really awesome. Hey okay. so Adina, how did you become a judge? I
1: was a podcaster as you know yes. and I had been on a podcast with someone who was a judge and I also listened to a podcast back at back at that time called Judge Cast. Um, judge cast at the time was Sean Catanese and Ricky Hayashi. They had started it and I went to the last world's tournament back when they were the big open tournament that pro tours used to be before they changed the format of how pro tours and world championships went.
0: Yeah, that was in San Francisco, right?
1: it was yeah it was down on the wharf and you could see alcatraz across the water it was it was a really cool place to be like right right in like fisherman's wharf area um, really cool part of san francisco to be in and there <laughs> it's funny there were food trucks out in the parking lot Not because we were there, but because they were having, like, once a month they had this, like, food truck thing where all these, like, gourmet fancy food (laughs) trucks would come and be in the parking lot of that. And that was super convenient for us because, you know, we want food. We don't want to go very far from the tournament center. So we
0: just wandered out in the parking lot, and there's all these gourmet food trucks just waiting for us. Oh, that's nice because if you've gone to enough conventions and eaten enough convention food – That is a nice treat, having some good food trucks. Most definitely,
1: yeah. But uh, at the time, I wasn't a judge. I was a podcaster, and so I went as press. I had a press badge. I got to interview a lot of pro players. I got to meet a lot of other podcasters and um, other people who, you know, wrote articles, um, people that are still around in the community. Um, So it was a really fantastic tournament to go to, and that that was my first like big tournament. I had never been to a GP. I had never been to anything. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll go to San Francisco for worlds. Wow. Why not? Let, let's start at the top, right? Let's not work our way up. We'll just go straight for worlds. I love that. Yeah. So, so while I was there, I met Ricky Hayashi and told him I was a fan of his podcast and that I was interested in being a judge, but that I, you know, hadn't taken a test or anything. And he said, okay, do you have internet at your hotel? and i said yes i do and he said okay here's what you're going to do tonight you're going to go home you're going to take the rules advisor test and if you pass it come back and talk to me we'll throw you on the floor and we'll have you judge a, a draft or something and i was kind of flabbergasted but i did as he said um i went home i took the rules advisor test i passed it um i came back um the rules advisor test doesn't actually exist anymore they've kind of restructured the whole you know now it's like a level one practice test Um, that you would take, but uh, at the time, they had this kind of pseudo-certification called a rules advisor, where you could just take the test, and then you would be a rules advisor, and you could tell people, oh, hey, I passed this test, Uh, but it was an open book test, and it was, you know, not that, I mean, the the whole reason it's open book is because when you're in a tournament, they don't say, oh, well, you can't say, hold on to the player and look up the rule on your phone in the comprehensive rules and say, okay, this is definitely how it works, here's the correct ruling, you know, it's, Life is open book. So this test was open book just kind of so that stores and people would have a kind of an idea that, okay, you've taken a test. You kind of know the rules. Um, I, I, if I ask you to help players, you might know what you're talking about. Uh, so anyway, so I, I passed the test. I came back. Of course, Worlds is uh, contracted from Wizards of the Coast, so they couldn't just throw me on staff as an event um, and, and, you know, just have me, like, judge one side event, but My uh, regional coordinator at the time, Kevin Binswanger, was there, and so he introduced me to Kevin Binswanger, and I went around with him and kind of shadowed him for a little while, got to know him, and Mm -hmm. after that, I went home, and he said, you know, when you get home, just judge a couple events, and then uh, Grand Prix Salt Lake City, I certified as a level one, and that was back in uh, Dark
0: Ascension. Well, wow! Well, if you've been judging since Dark Ascension, I bet you have some pretty juicy judge stories. You know,
1: I do. Um, <laughs> uh, although not all of them are, are from when I was a judge. Um, <laughs> one of the craziest things that ever happened on the floor was uh, a player, it was a sealed event, and a player called us over. Um, and uh, I was not the person involved, I, I was not the person who took the call. Um, I was someone who was shown. Uh, I was someone who somebody came to and said, uh, "This just happened to me. Like, am I crazy?" Um, <laughs> okay. so the player,
0: I'm, I'm hooked. What's going on?
1: So <laughs> the player said, "I just sat down to start my match, and I opened up my deck box, and instead of my deck, there's pizza in there."
0: What? Yes, like pizza, like actual food, like actual pizza. Was it, like, smushed in there, like crump? Like, I'm thinking of a deck box yeah. that's, like, a standard card size is smaller than a piece of pizza. Yes, no, this
1: is just, like, a regular little plastic, you know, deck box, not, like, a fancy, you know, EDH deck or something like that. It was just, like, the little, you know, yeah, oh, and the pizza had been like, folded up and stuffed in there. Um, And the judge who took the call had, like, taken a picture of it, and he was just like, <laughs> did this just happen, like, like, is this for real, did this just happen, um, but apparently the player at the end of the previous round had decided he didn't want to continue, and he just, like, threw out his deck, and then, um, you know, went, and he and his buddies got food, and I guess his friend, I don't know why, he would have used the judge box, to store, the leftover pizza, um, but yeah, stuffed the pizza in the deck box and then the guy got back to the tournament and decided, you know, maybe I will play the next round. <laughs> he hadn't dropped out, you know, he was planning to drop out, but he hadn't and he forgot that he had tossed his deck. So, you know, his deck box felt like it had something in it and he opened it and, and there was pizza. Oh so my gosh. You know, we <laughs> We gave him 10 minutes to see if he could, like, find the cards that he had registered at, at you know, various dealers. But, of course, you know, it's it's a limited tournament, so it's all going to be not the cards that dealers are carrying, not the cards no. that people want to, you know, <laughs> buy the most often. So, yeah, he just he just oh, decided, so no, I, I guess I will drop out
0: after all since I, I threw away my deck and I can't read we'll just... And you can't play with pizza. I'm, I'm yeah. going to put a 2-2 pepperoni onto the battlefield. <laughs> How do you know if it's tapped? I don't know, but I'm going to scry one with this jalapeno. <laughs> uh, uh, so that's so great. Now, uh, when you have been a judge, have you ever gone to an event? This is a question from a listener. Have you ever gone to an event and forgotten your judge uniform? So not so much
1: forgot, but I definitely was at an event where I didn't have my uniform. Um, I've forgotten little things, you know, office supplies, like sometimes I didn't have either a red pen or a Sharpie, or I forgot to pack my notebook. Um, you know, just, just various things that I could replace very easily, um, in a place in the world that has an office supply store or even just a seven 11. Um, yeah. and, uh, but I went to GP New Jersey. Um, now this was the legacy GP New Jersey. Oh, with the um, brainstorm playmat.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad yeah, I didn't um, yeah. get to that.
1: No, um, was it brainstorm? Yeah, it was. It was the brainstorm Mm -hmm. play mat. It was at the other. It was not. It was not at the place where they do GP New Jersey now. Um, it was. I want to say in like Edison or some. I I feel like it might have been Edison, but you know, it was like four thousand players. It was Legacy. It was run by Star City Games. Um, and it was huge, and it was kind of like this dog leg convention center where you know some of the ones went across and then it went like around the pole and like down it it was like a really awkward shape you couldn't see the stage from everywhere in the room and um, you couldn't hear very well and they it was one of the first ones it was before they had the new um, computer system and they still had like they broke it into like three separate gps so you were you know not everybody was could be paired against anybody until day two when when the top, you know, the people that qualified for day two were combined into an event because you couldn't have more than two thousand players, you know, the yeah, it the only software went
0: software to- maxed out, right? Yeah,
1: the software maxed out. So anyway, I um I live in Wyoming and sometimes it snows here, as you may know if you're familiar with, you know, the weather in the world. Snow? And so you know, we, we got some snow, and they had to de-ice the plane and clear the runway and everything. And by the time I got to Salt Lake, which was where my connecting flight was, um, I actually made it to the gate more than 10 minutes, about 11 minutes before my flight was supposed to take off. But they had already closed the doors because they assumed we weren't going to make it in time, and um, they had already given away my seat and really? booked me on another flight. So, I mean, the good news is they had booked me on another flight that was like two hours later, so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, whatever, you know, I have all day to travel, it's not that big of a deal, now I won't land in New Jersey at rush hour and my brother can pick me up a little bit, you know, I'll have less time in the evening to spend with my family, because my brother actually lives about 20 minutes where he lives is like 20 minutes from the Meadowlands. It's like 20 minutes from Edison. It's like 20 minutes from um, Spursett, all the places in New Jersey where they've done tournaments. Nice. So anytime there's a tournament in New Jersey. I'm almost always there. And uh, there are some people that think I live in the Northeast, not the Northwest. Um, but no, I, my brother lives in the Northeast. <laughs> and uh, so so uh, anyway, my flight was going to be about two hours later. And I said, okay. And I went over to the gate where my new flight was and I was flying into JFK. And I noticed that there was a flight leaving within like 10 minutes of the time that the flight that I was supposed to be on um, was leaving that was going to Newark. And so I asked if there was room on the Newark flight because obviously that's way more convenient than having my brother have to go all the way, you know, into Brooklyn to pick me up. Or me having to take like three trains to get to New Jersey from Brooklyn. So I switched flights, and I got onto this Newark flight. Well, my luggage got on the flight to JFK, and wound up in JFK. Um, And this was the last time that my judge uniform was not in my (laughs) carry-on, my luggage, uh, because of this. So my judge shoes. My judge pants, um, my and I, I don't. I, if you, if anyone that knows me, I don't actually wear pants. I hate pants. You I have, only wear a Great black so skirt. I, I actually had a, my judge, my judge skirt, that I couldn't find one that I liked, so I took a pair of cargo pants that I got at Walmart. And um, went to my sewing machine and converted the pants into a skirt. So I had this great cargo skirt. Yes, I love it. it Yeah. And uh, so that was in there. Because pockets? Yeah, because pockets. And my judge um, shirt was in there. Everything, anything that I needed for the event was in there. And so, you know, I got there, I called them, I said, you know what, it's fine, just bring it whenever, you know, they were saying, oh, it's not going to be until after like 10 and we don't normally, you know, deliver unless it's a hotel, you know, because we don't want to disturb oh, people. I said, my disturb I have an event. I have to be at work at 8 a.m. and my work clothes are in here, I need it. And they're like, oh, okay, we'll bring it tonight. Of course they didn't. Uh-huh. Then they said they'd bring it the next morning and I said it needs to be here, you know, by 8 o'clock because that's when I have to leave to go. And of course it wasn't there. Uh-huh. Um, So I wound up, I was in my, I had been traveling in winter, like snow boots, which happened to be like mostly black, but they were not, you know, the shoes that I would have worn inside of a tournament center all day. Yes. Um, So I was in these boots and I asked my sister-in-law if she had any black pants or anything. The only thing she had, they were like not yoga pants because yoga pants are tight and these were like baggy. So they were like. (laughs) Like spandex pants, but like baggy, pa- you know, almost like a skirt, but like not, you know. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to call them. That a no hammer
0: pants. pants, pants. A yeah. bag? I don't
1: know. And they were like, they were also, they were also not floor length. They were like the ankle, you know, the oh, crop water, crop length. So oh. of course, I'm wearing like these snow boots underneath. You know, they're like <laughs> with UGGs. So I'm wearing my UGGs and I'm wearing this. And I don't have a shirt. Now, conveniently, at the time, this was was back before getting a judge shirt was quite as much of an effort as it is now. And when I got there, I explained the situation and said, can I get a judge shirt? shirt and they gave me a new judge shirt nice. um, because they, you know they just always kind of had some stock because there was always a few people that needed judge shirts and it wasn't this the big production now it is now you have to like sign up and say okay here's my size this is what I need that way yeah. they make sure they bring the right amount of shirts and so they don't typically have extra shirts if you didn't order them um so I lucked out they had a shirt that fit so I had a judge shirt that Your I most could wear
0: interesting judge uniform to date <laughs> yeah, but it was it was kind of crazy for the first
1: couple of rounds. Um, and then of course, my brother, um, they got you know, they finally delivered my luggage to my brother's house and he was on his way out. like he had to leave like an hour before I did to get to I don't know a golf tournament most likely because that's what he does in his spare time. And so he stopped by the convention center to drop it off. And Abel had a panic attack because he had never been to an event like that before <laughs> and had no idea what to expect. Like, I had taught him how to play magic on the kitchen table at our house, so he kind of was familiar with the game.
0: He didn't realize there 2,000 other people in the room that would also be doing the same thing. Exactly. He walked into that room. He was like, holy cow, A, I'm never going to find
1: my sister, <gasps> B, what is going on here? So, you know, he went up to the stage and said, um, hi, do you know Adina Cherdoski? And uh, and of course they know me, you know, like, like there's some other Adina that happens to also be judging the tournament that they might be familiar with at the stage. Um, no, of course not. So, you know, he gave them my luggage and they, you know, called over, Judge Adina, please come to the stage. (laughs) And they were like, uh, your brother just dropped this off. So I didn't actually get to see him um until that evening and and he told me how how crazy it was. <laughs> but but since then his daughter who's 9 now, we decided that she was old enough to learn how to play magic and I taught her how to play magic the last time I was home, okay. which was it was January of this year. Um, and they play arena a lot and she's been to pre-releases. She loves world war of the spark because it's all planeswalkers and she thinks planeswalkers are cool.
0: Yes, they are cool.
1: Yeah. She said her least favorite guild is is it. And her favorite planeswalker is Nyssa.
0: Oh, well that's my girl. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. It's a good favorite to have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They, they also texted me this roses are red violets are blue Combine them. What is it you get? Purple? No, what is it you oh, get?
0: Oh, it? <laughs> 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 oh, what is it you get? Oh, that's great.
1: <laughs> well, you're going to
0: have to have her listen to that now because that delivery was so perfect over the podcast. I hope everyone else is laughing with me. Uh, <laughs> So, speaking of different uniforms, have you ever cosplayed? I have. So, I did a Jaya
1: Ballard um, cosplay, which... I've seen you do the same one, and yours is, I have to say, way cooler because you actually have the effects where you have, like, the fire coming off of your hand in the pictures that you have. Oh, um, yeah. So you, you have a better effects.
0: app to, to photograph yourself than I do. But <laughs> you were the original one that inspired my be I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I, you were one of, I mean... Before I cosplayed a a lot, as I do now, when I did one or here or there, you had your Jaya cosplay on judging at an event. I thought it was so awesome. You had your goggles, you had everything on the black, and your cracker personality to go with it. Well thanks. Yeah.
1: So I did that at GP Portland and I remember uh we were drafting afterwards at like the judge party and so as Jaya, of course, I had to draft only red cards. Kind of um, happens
0: when you're in cosplay, I don't know.
1: Oh, yes, it was not, I did not draft the best cards, and I did not draft a very good deck, but by (laughs) golly, I drafted any card that had a picture of fire in the (laughs) art. Fun. Um, Yeah, and then I took that costume again. I went to GP Nashville, and it happened to be Halloween weekend. Oh, perfect. So I showed up on Friday dressed as Jaya and expected at some point they would, you know, they would tell me, okay, now you need to go put on your judge uniform to work. Well, Not really. So the entire day on Friday, you know, I was, I was launching, um, uh, last chance trials as Jaya in character. I mean, I was doing a little bit of customer service too and telling them the rules and everything, but I was giving them some snarky attitude as well. And you know they loved it, and I, 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 all day I kept thinking, you know, somebody's gonna come up to me and be like, Adina, enough, you, you need to put on your uniform. But no, they never did. Exactly. I,
0: just, I just really liked having having Jaya working at the event. So yeah, that's exactly what we have nowadays. That they're starting to incorporate more cosplayers. You were a groundbreaker, Adina. I love that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, is there any other good, funny stories that you want to leave us off with? Sure. Um, you know, I've got, I've got a couple. Um,
1: (laughs) the first story, this was back when I was podcasting. Um, so the people that were on my podcast, I had one from Toronto, one from Newfoundland in, in, um, in Canada, which is, you know, like three and a half hours, four and a half hours. I don't know. It's, it's like a half hour ahead of Eastern time. So it was just bizarre trying to get everybody coordinated to find a time to do our podcast. Um, and there was a guy from North Carolina, and there was a guy from Baltimore, and I was headed to Philadelphia, and there was a Star City Baltimore tournament that same weekend, and so I contacted my friend from the podcast, who of course I hadn't hadn't met him in person. I had only been podcasting with him for ages, and said, "Hey, I'm going to be. I, I I could come down to Baltimore for the weekend. Um, do you, could I stay at your house? What's you know what's going on?" And he told me that he lived in a tiny apartment, but he had a buddy who um, lived with another podcaster who had been a guest on our, our cast, and he had, like, five couches, and he was going to have some other podcasters staying with him, um, and he would hook me up with that guy. So he gave me his his email, and I contacted him and started talking to him and um, arranged to stay at his house, and he gave me directions and everything. Um, and I went, and I had a fantastic time. Um, we had this this kind of crazy, at the time, there was, you know, the whole you-control-your-opponent thing mm, yeah and uh we we went a little silly with that about okay while i'm controlling you i'm going to flip the table and get you disqualified which of course is not how the card works <laughs> but
0: you yeah, know Emmer- we emerald we little... the promised end for any of you magic fans i believe is what you're talking about right what was that is it emerald the promised end Oh, it was way, way before that. Oh. This, was, uh, this was an artifact from
1: Mirrodin that did that. Oh. It was like the, the first card that that said you control your your opponent. Mindslaver. Yes, mindslaver, and and it was originally worded like you control your opponent on their next turn, or so. Like however they had written it, it made it sound more like you are you know the puppet master <laughs> their, as opposed to like you control their turn. Um, it said, you control them. <laughs> um, and and so, you know, we're like, well, I'm controlling you. I'm going to call your wife and I'm going to, you know, just, <laughs> just got really silly with that. And um, so that was a lot of fun. And I just had a blast that weekend. But looking back on it, you know, I left Philadelphia, rented a car, drove to a city where I had never been to go stay at the house of some dude that was a buddy of a guy I met on Twitter.
0: starting to sound a little, uh, CSI there, (laughs) right? Like who does
1: that? But apparently in the magic community, that's just totally fine. Um, especially in the, in the podcasting community, you know, and since when I go to events, you know, I, I get a hotel room and, um, judges will contact me. I will contact other judges through the forum that are working. And I've definitely had some roommates that I had never met before. Um, and all I knew about them was, Hey, they're also on staff for the event. Um, but it's been really awesome, and I've met a lot of cool people. So I've had some some great experiences with that, and awesome. the the community is just you know
0: you jump really in fun and, and take a risk, and it's really rewarding. Yeah, yeah. Usually, everything's welcoming. Um, when
1: I went to my first Grand Prix, um, as a judge, it was Grand Prix Vegas. It was crazy. It was four thousand people. It was the biggest event they had ever had. And I was a new judge, but I had judged and gone to some um, – I, I, hadn't, I hadn't, like, judged an, an a, like, a big event like that. Um, but I had attended some Star City events in other places. I had been to Philadelphia, um, where I used to live, and I had been to a tournament um, there as a player. I had been to several judge conferences in different places. I had judged – I live right on the border of Wyoming and Idaho, so I've, I've been to tournaments in Montana Um, In Wyoming, in Idaho. Completely new,
0: but it was your first big one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I live an hour and a half from the nearest place that I can go for F&M. So, you know, there's three different places in three different directions that are all an hour and a half away from me (laughs) that I could go for, for, you know, a pre-release or an F&M. So it's it's it's, you know, I'm used to traveling and I know people from all these different places. Um, and at the time, I, I knew some people also from um, the Los Angeles area because at the time I was dating someone from Los Angeles and I had gone down and visited him. Um, we met incidentally at that same Star City tournament where I certified as a level one. And uh, so, anyway, I, I had I met people in Los Angeles, I'd met people all over the country, and I had met people obviously at Worlds and press people, and there were so many people that I knew from so many different places. And of course, everyone's coming up to me and saying hi, and I'm swamped busy because it's just crazy, and so I'm saying hi to all these people, and I just kind of lost track of everyone, and I'm like, I don't know where I know anybody from, everybody <laughs> looks from, at this point, like, all the Magic players are a blur, everybody looks familiar, and I'm just like, who are you, where, do we, where did we meet, I don't know. So, um, Marco Sutcliffe, who, um, if you... No, now he, you know, commentates on a lot of the um, on a lot of the streams for Wizards of the Coast. All the time. Um, yeah. At the playing. time, yeah. At the time, had the podcast, and I, I'm not. I think he still does. Still has the limited resources podcast. I think. That, yeah, I think he does. With um... yeah, that he was doing. And he had been, he had been a guest on our, or I don't remember if he had been a guest yet on our podcast, or if we were trying to work out the scheduling for Court of Notions, um, to get him on our podcast, and so, um, we had been in contact, and he knew who I was, so, um, he was at the event, and I was wandering, you know, he was doing, um, I think he was actually doing the, um, The live stream. So he was on a break, he was standing there. I was on a break. I walked up and I started talking to him. And I thought that it was so cool, you know, that I had met him and I was introducing myself. And there's this other guy standing here and um, also kind of joining into our conversation. And so I turned to him and I said, Should I know who you are? (laughs) And he turns to me and he says, Adina, I'm on your bleeping podcast. It was, it was it was William Blondin from Toronto who was one of the people on Horde of Notions podcast with me. I had never met him in person. He was try, like, we had been emailing back and forth and trying to get in touch so that we could actually meet up at this GP. And according to him, he had already said hi to me like three times and I had said hi back, Um, but I didn't, you know, I just was like, oh, hey, hi, magic player that I know from somewhere. Um, Let me tell you, Marshall Sutcliffe thought that was about the funniest thing that he had ever seen.
0: Thank you so much, Adina, for joining me on the Fabcast today. It was so great having you as a guest. Thank you. It's been so fun chatting
1: with you and talking
0: about all kinds of fun stuff that's happened, you know, in, at magic events. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the ZBEX Fabcast. Until next time, be fabulous.